yes, welcome along to another episode of the Dingo Unchained. I am the Fantasy Dingo here in the Dingo Den of very wet Seattle on a Sunday evening. With me, as always, calling in from the East Coast is our intrepid reporter, Adam Risman. Adam, welcome along. Good to be here. How did you choose that intro music today? Uh, well, it's, uh, as you know, it's a favorite, a longtime favorite of mine. But uh, I can tell you, here in the city of Seattle, they are doing shot after shot of fireball whiskey after the performance of one beast mode Marshawn Lynch, four touchdowns in the Seattle's win over the New York Giants today. I knew the Giants were bad, but I didn't know they were quite that bad against the run. Did you, uh, did you manage to catch any of the game today? I, uh, I caught all the early games. I caught bits and pieces of, of the Seattle game you were talking about. The early game... Really low scoring from a fantasy perspective today. Not much, not much action. And then we get to, um, although Frank Gore had a nice bounce back game for the 49ers who came through in overtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, New Orleans lost. First time they've lost a home game with Drew Brees starting and Sean Payton coaching since 2011. Yeah, they almost pulled it out there with the, uh, Jimmy Graham last minute grab at the, over the, over the end zone, then called back for offensive pass interference. Did you see that call? Did you have an opinion on that call of Jimmy? It looked like a bit of a flop to me from the San Francisco defender. I, uh, I thought that it was, it may have been a flop. There was a lot of flop noise on Twitter. Mm-hmm. As someone that, uh, needs the owner of Jimmy Graham in one of our leagues to win this week, I was really looking forward to him pulling down that third touchdown. Mm. But ultimately he, he did push off and made them some acting there. And if so, uh, that guy deserves uh, to move down to Hollywood and pick up his Academy Awards. It was uh, strange to see the Saints go down there in, in New Orleans against a 49ers team. Kaepernick not looking good, not looking like a fantasy option for anyone. Uh, what other big oh. big observations did you have from today from the, the roster of games? Well, uh, big day for the big tight end. Uh, even without the push-off, Jimmy Graham had a great day. Julius Thomas. Had a couple touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Peyton Manning, uh, he started real close. He kicked early against uh, Oakland. Yeah. Then went on a rampage through five TDs. And the Jets, is Michael Vick, is he a, a fantasy option at quarterback? I don't know. I was thinking about whether he's worth a pickup this week. Um, I know a lot of people had some QB woes. You wrote about it on the dingo this week. Options for quarterback. Michael Vick, the Jets coming out. I mean, and and you had you had a bit of skin in the game, I know. So you took it particularly personally. Their loss to the Steelers today, but uh, they were on an eight game losing streak. You had to think at some stage they were probably going to snap that, but you wouldn't have expected to go against the the Big Ben Steelers, who've just been looking so good over the last couple of weeks. And uh, but Vic looked like he was in control. Jets scored a lot of touchdowns early, and then sort of just grounded out. So. Uh, I don't know. Are the Jets back? Is is uh, Rex Ryan in possession of a job next year? So many questions. Well, Rex is in good form. I don't know if you caught any of his post-game press conference. I did not. He was asked about how it feels to win, and he said what he tells the guys when you win, your girlfriends are hotter, your wives are better, the beer tastes better. <laughs> all things he said today about it when you win. All truths. All truths. All, all true. All true. Um Big Ben was coming off, I think he threw 11 or 12 touchdowns in the last two weeks going into that game. Mm-hmm. Didn't have much going on uh, through a couple picks. One guy in the Jets had three turnovers. He had two picks and recovered a fumble. But uh, he did throw up a dime to Martavius Bryant in garbage, garbage time, which surely threw people's scores in a couple fantasy games. I think it was an 80-yard touchdown. Well, that's right. And he, uh, yeah, he threw that to bring him within one touchdown late. 
Uh, Antonio Brown owners had a very bad day today. He lost two fumbles. I think he was negative, uh, points. negative points in a lot of leagues. So that was tough. I had a, a couple of questions for you here um, just to get your take. Some more broader questions, really. One question, uh, there was a big game in London today. The Jags went over there, I think, for about their 69th time this season. Uh, they must be regulars in there at the uh, the London Soho club scene. Will Jacksonville ever get better? Do you see any signs of life coming out of the Jags right now? Uh, it, they look like a football-playing version of Piccadilly Circus. They are now the first team in the history of the NFL to lose eight of their first nine games three seasons in a row. Absolutely awful. Uh, never happened. I don't think anyone else has really come close. That's, it's very bad. Uh there was there were picks, there were fumbles, there was poor special teams play. They did get a garbage time touchdown that uh, ate into anybody who was starting the Cowboys D's grand total. That'd be me, so that would be the place to get. <laughs> Very uh, disappointing. They were finished for the eighteenth instead of twenty something. But uh, I don't think it's getting better anytime soon. And there's their wide receivers who are young and talented, but just look demoralized out there. I will say, though, Denari Robinson looks like he's for real. He does. He looks good. Uh, I made a desperate play, picked up Toby Gerhardt this morning, uh, and, and that really didn't work out for me. He had a rush at the one-yard line. He was given a oh, chance yeah. to, to bang it in. He got stuffed. So I think he's definitely worth just cutting completely from all rosters. Uh, even if he comes back and shows any signs of life, he is not. he's not a talented running back at all. And that Jags team just looks awful. One last question I had for you. Uh, oh, this is on the coaching front. And as I said, I had a big big uh, watch session here of the Seahawks game this afternoon against the Giants. How does Tom Coughlin still have a job on that Giants team? It, it's almost hard to fathom. I guess when you win two Super Bowls, you get a good amount of, uh, of uh, leeway, goodwill. And I, I feel like he and Eli are almost... Uh, I, I don't want to make any assumptions about their relationship. But I feel like they're fixed in a certain way where they'll be they'll ride it out together and they'll both have to leave at the same time. They also they, they mimic each other's body language. He's got awful body language there. Well both those guys have awful body language. I thought it was just a uh, it's just hard to see how he's still he's still there in coaching. If Coughlin, I mean if he was your boss, if you had to uh let's just say you had to go into his office and say, uh, Mr Coughlin, here's my my fantasy lineup for the week, do you approve? Would you respect his authority when he told you to, uh, you know, say start or not start Toby Gerhardt? Well, first of all, he'd ask what this, uh, the print was. He would have never seen a typewriter or a computer before and asked why it wasn't written with a quill and ink. So uh, once he got past that, no, I, I think it's hard to have much respect for him at this stage. And uh, and it was just is sad to see him on that sideline. Is he in cash and checks mode? He's probably cashing checks. I don't know if he has to. He looks like he's about 85. I know he's not 85, but he looks about 85 years old. It's time for him to just, I think, ride off into the sunset. But uh, anyway, but it was, a, it was a good round of games today. We've got plenty of things we want to talk about. First thing I wanted to... What's that? What do you think Coughlin's salary is? Oh, 700000 One and a half? His current contract goes through the end of next season, which will be paying him $7 million a year. He's worth every cent. That's a huge... God, keep keep, keep him coming. Keep him rolling, Tom. Uh, I guess, yeah, yeah, get him if you can. can. 
we've got a lot going on today. The first thing I wanted to pick your brain about, Adam, let's talk football and then we'll move into some basketball a little bit later, but uh, it's the trade deadline coming up for a lot of people in their leagues. I think the standard deadline is maybe just before the round of the games next week, but you'll find they sort of fall all through the week this week. So there's a last-minute rush to get the players that you want to get. Uh, you can't swap after this week, basically. I was curious to, if we could have a talk about some players you think would be great to target and some players you think would be good to shift. And and as you know, we always preach here on the Dingo, sell high, buy low. Uh, there are some targets coming out, I think, people who, who might not have performed at the beginning of the year but might be ready for a big playoff push. Don't forget, if you're planning to get to the final of your of your season, there's still six weeks left. So still plenty of time for players to really come along. So let's talk about the players to target first, some guys who you might be able to buy low or prize off someone for a, a slightly lower value. Who have you got there as, as someone who you might you might be able to target at this time of the year? I think in terms of realistic targets uh, and buying low, there's uh, two running backs that will be starters um, definitely good flex options come playoff time uh, coming off of injuries. That being Ryan Matthews and Monte Ball. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, right now you, you want to buy those guys before they have a chance to get back in the lineup and prove themselves. And particularly Ryan Matthews, I actually recently acquired him in one of our leagues. Um, it, the Chargers coming off of that miserable showing last week. And I think that their entire roster has bottomed out from a fantasy perspective. Nothing can go any worse than it did uh, in that blowout last week that you could get those for guys that cannot crack your rotation right now. Yeah, you and m- Matthews, Antonio Gates. Um, Philip Rivers, I don't know if he's – I think he's definitely not untouchable anymore. Yeah. Um, there's value there. And the same thing with Monte Ball. If you have a wide receiver sitting on your bench and you can ship him over for, for Monte who hasn't given – the guy who drafted him in the first round like an idiot in production, uh, and that guy's just looking to cut his losses, he could end up being a, a flex weapon for you sometimes. Yeah, the Denver Broncos used a weird rotation of running backs today. I saw Ronnie Hillman only got a couple of touches, um, and uh, Anderson, I think, got a, a big 51-yard touchdown. Uh, so they, it's it's really this position still seems up for grabs there in Denver, so maybe Monte might have some value. Uh, I've got another running back who I thought actually is... is maybe due for an influx, and that's Bishop Sankey, who started to really establish cool. himself in the, the backfield he there in Tennessee. Okay he looked okay today. He looked all right. He got about uh, uh, 70 yards or so. You know, he had like a 15 or 20-yard run early. I saw him catch a couple passes. Mm-hmm. They gave that goal line carry to, to Sean Green and fumbled it at the one. Yeah. That's important, I think, because they're not going to be able to trust that guy anymore, and it should be Bishop's show 24-7. Yeah, I know the running back down, too, that uh, I think that you can buy – at a very low price. In fact, he was on some waiver wires up until recently. Um, so the NFC South is a horrible division right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone is going to have to win it because that's how the rules work. Right now, no one is better than 500. And somehow the Atlanta Falcons are still in that race. And Steven Jackson, while yeah. he had a decent game the last two weeks, touchdowns, 60, 80 yards, Again, I think you could get him with, uh, if you have an extra quarterback on your bench and your quarterback's already had his bye, or even a, a middling wide receiver that you might consider flexing, it's always safer to flex that running back. Steven Jackson, I think, could be a sneaky pickup. That's uh, a huge call. For very low. It's a huge call, but it's something I, I tried to pick him up off the waiver wire in one of our leagues this week. I, I agree. He started to show some consistency. 
and they're starting to show some some faith in him. Devonta Freeman is starting to get a few more carries there as well, though. So, uh, but the Falcons, it's just hard to work out what they're doing uh, down there in Atlanta and how and which team's going to turn up each week. I think they're starting to have a more of a balanced attack. Mr. Devonta's getting some more carries. Mm-hmm. Um, Steven Jackson's also had 34 carries in the last two games after having just uh, 14 in the two weeks before. That. Oh, he's due for an in- he's due for an injury then. Very ugly losses. So, <laughs> one one other name that I know you like to hear that I think is someone that could potentially be your wide receiver one that you could get at wide receiver two value, maybe a little lower. Um, I don't know if you saw Megatron came back this week. He did. Which, to me, I'm offering anybody that has Golden Tate whatever I can to pry him off their hands. They both still had 100 yards this week. They're going to toss that ball around no matter what. And I think Golden Tate has proven himself enough um, that he's going to get looks no matter what. And Megatron could still re-aggravate that injury, and then you're right back with your stud Golden Tate for the playoff run. I think that he's someone that you could get for the right price right now, uh, fresh off Megatron's return. Yeah, he's. I saw today, he's the number four. He's number four in receiving yards this year in the NFL. Uh, he plays a different role to Megatron. Lots of screens, uh, lots of slants. So, I mean, Megatron looked great today, and he got around, I think, 17, 18 fantasy points, got a touchdown, a couple of big receptions, but they're still using Tate in the bulk of packages. That Lions, that Lions team is very interesting on offense. 7-2. They're 7-2 right now. And yeah, I think you're, you'll, you'll have less targets because Megatron's there. But you mentioned they do different things. What Megatron does, he goes vertical and stretches the field out, which is going to open things up a little bit for Golden State underneath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and Joke Bell looked good today again. Theo Riddick picked up a touchdown. There's plenty of options there. Reggie Bush, to me, seems like he could end up being the odd man out and having a few difficult yeah. weeks. He's actually on my move list, um, if you can even get value for him. Uh, you should. I think if you're a Reggie Bush owner, Shop him up until the deadline, and then if not, he's probably the first on your drop list if you have a chance to make a waiver move. But Riddick and, and Joker are looking like decent flex options. They are. I mean, uh, Joker in particular is looking like a very solid flex. We, we gave you a lot of shit for picking up Joke Bell early in the season. I uh, have to eat our words there a little bit. Uh, one other guy, though, that I had as a, as a target is, uh, and I, I'd be interested to get your take on this, I wonder if he could actually be in the other column. He could be in the trade-away column. Uh, but I think he might have a good last five weeks, Josh Gordon. So Josh obviously came back last year, uh, around this same time. He seems to, to do this as, as a part of a habit, but, uh, amongst many habits that he has, but, uh, so he came back around this time of year and just lit it up. People are expecting the same production out of him this year. He could, you know, that, that Brown's offense is just crying out for a receiver like him. Brian Hoy is having a pretty good year. They've got a connection. Do you think he sits as someone you should be targeting at this time of year and trying to pay a high, as high a price as you as you can for? He might end up being a top five wide receiver in the last five or six weeks. Or is he the sort of guy, if he's on your roster, before he can even go out there and play a snap, should you be looking to move him this week? I think it depends on the profile of your team. I think that, look, the Browns, the Browns have something to play for, for once. They're actually, they... As our good friend D.U. Bengals knows very well, they they whacked Cincinnati on Thursday. Mm. Uh, it was terrible, I believe, is what uh, our number one Bengals fan listener said. Awful. And uh, so he's, it's not like he's just going to be out there trying to put up stats. They're actually going to be trying to win games. You might get to see a new, more competitive Josh Gordon, not to mention everything that's been flowing from him having to sit out this year. But I think that you can only trade for Josh Gordon if you are um, 
playoff team or a team that's close to the playoffs that's sitting on assets. And what I mean by that is you have guys on your bench that could start for another team that can't currently start for you. Mm-hmm. So that when you trade them away, you might be trading away better packages some people can offer. Um, but it's, or maybe you can add more people. Maybe it's a two-for-one deal for Josh Gordon. But you're not actually subtracting anybody from the starting lineup. That's the way that I would do it. Same thing if you were, for instance, interested in Adrian Peterson right now, yeah. um, who may or may not be able to play. Uh, if you have bench assets, go for him. And if you own Josh Gordon and you barely have enough assets to fill a starting lineup, then you're trying to ship him uh, because you don't know what you're going to get out of him. You can get two solid players for Josh Gordon right now if you can pull that off. And again, you're a bubble team. I think you've got to do it. That's a good point. It's it's time. It's a time of year when you start to strip back the assets on your bench, take away a little bit of the depth, uh, and and move it for someone of, of value. But of course, you've got to do it before the deadline hits in your league. Just in the trade away column, I got one more name. Wants to run by you. This is a guy who's had an incredible season, but I just don't know if he's got the legs to finish it off. Demarco Murray. I move him at this time of the year. He's right. He's really? put, yeah, so many yards in the legs. Hundred yards again. Hundred yards again today. Nine times in ten games. How many times can it? How long can it continue? Now, if we think back to a, an example on the other end of the spectrum, the Jets today going against the Steelers, you wouldn't have thought for a second that the Jets could have come back, come back and and won that game. Uh, these runs only last for so long, and I worry that with Murray's injury history, I know people have been saying it all year. And I know that's why his, his draft stock dropped as well. But I think it's time, if you can pick up a couple of great assets for DeMarco Murray, this is the time to get rid of him and uh, and, and and trade for that sucker. Agree or disagree? I'm going to go both ways here. If you're in a keeper league, I think you trade him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, don't think, I, I don't think it's sustainable beyond this year. He's also uh, about to get paid. So that tends to change things with some guys. Uh, if you are not in a keeper league, if you have him you're, and your team is doing well, you got, I think you got to ride what got you there. Um, I'm not a, a fan of saying that any player is untouchable. Uh, someone offered me Andrew Luck and another asset for him, he'd absolutely be off the table. Mm-hmm. Um, or depending on who my other running backs are, maybe straight up for Andrew Luck, who's been the number one uh, quarterback this year. But I, I think uh, I, 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 would, I think it's, it's worth putting him on the block and seeing what you get offered. You don't have to trade back. Absolutely, I think it's worth it's worth seeing what's out there, uh, and and it could be something great. There could be someone really willing to offer you something. And he might get he might get hurt, or they might start to uh, work him out in the next few weeks. So, uh, one last question for you on this trade away and target thing: Can you or can anyone work out the mess in Cincinnati right now? Is it worth owning AJ Green? Is it worth owning Giovanni Bernard? Is it worth owning Jeremy Hill? What what should we make of the Bengals' mess? This sort of group of of fantasy players that we thought were going to be so promising at the beginning of the year just looks like it's it's worked itself into a into a complete shit show, all at the hands of of one ranger, redheaded numbskull, Andy Dalton. Andy, you're going to get those games out of Andy every year. I feel like next week might actually be the safest start for Andy. I don't even know who they're playing, but he never really had two of these games in a row. That's true. Um, AJ's injuries are a concern, I think. He might actually be someone that you you would want to shop right now simply because he hasn't been reliable. Yeah. And if you can get someone that you know is going to be in your lineup to get in week out uh, and not have Tristo, which 
Yeah, turf toe seems yeah. chronic. It seems like it's sort year, of thing. Every year somebody gets turf toe. Yeah, you need an off season to fix it. It seems like. I I think he would he'd be worth dropping. The running back situation is difficult. We talked about this a little bit last week. When Gio comes back, I know I know Jeremy Hill had a tough game this week. He had a fumble. Um, I think that that's going to be maybe not an even split, but it's not going to be quite as heavy as Gio. They're going to want to keep him from getting banged up and. Uh, Jeremy's proven himself a little bit. So, in a non-keeper league, too, that might be worth shopping one of those guys as well. Uh, I think the one guy you hold on to is Muhammad Sanu. Yeah. Every now and then he throws a touchdown back. Yep, that's true. That's true. I, I have one more guy that I would sell on. Sure. Uh, that I'm curious about. And I actually own him in one of my leagues. Maybe you just want to make an offer right now. Um, <laughs> Let's work it out. He's on, he's on TV right now. That's Brandon Marshall. Oh, God. Brandon uh, Marshall hasn't had a touchdown catch. Since week four, when he had one touchdown in a two-catch, 19-yard performance. God, yeah. I mean, how's Alshon Jeffrey looking in that game, by the way? Uh, 0-0 right now. I don't know if uh, anyone's really put up numbers. I, I would be more inclined to sell Brandon than, than Alshon right now. He's been making some noise in the locker room, pointing fingers. People don't like that. And, uh, you know, the one thing that I think we all know is when you play in a league of at least 12 people, you have people like you and myself and the new Bengals. And then you have people that are casually interested in fantasy football players. Absolutely. And what's great about those people is when they see Brandon Marshall in the trade, they're like, Brandon Marshall, he's a pro bowler. He's one of the best wide receivers. Doesn't he a second-round pick? i got to get this guy. Yeah. And they don't say, Brandon Marshall, when was the last time he scored a touchdown? I am uh, I'm steering clear of all Bears receivers and quarterbacks at this time, and even the defense as well. And it's it's all for one reason, and that reason's name is Jay Cutler, and uh, he's had an incredible, dis- incredibly disappointing season, uh, and also an incredibly predictable season. Uh, Jay has been disappointing in in every in every possible facet. He doesn't use his wide receivers in the right way. Uh, he doesn't capitalize on their advantages such as their height and their speed. Uh, Brandon is in a tough situation there, and he has this difficult relationship. It seems with Jay. It seems like the two of them get along very well. And uh, uh, actually, good buddies, but uh, but he struggles to he struggles to reconcile that with the shitty balls that that Jay is throwing him. So I would definitely sell on Brandon Marshall right now. You can't. I mean, I can't see a Chicago resurgence now at this time of the year at this, of the season. Look, if they lose this game that's on right now against the Packers, which I'm fairly certain they will. In fact, it's third and goal on the uh, on the four right now for the Packers. Maybe about the uh, call timeout. They're going to give it to. Lacey let him turn a little bit. Good. Uh, I think they're toast. I yeah. think that, particularly with the Lions also being in that division and being such a prize seven and two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and with the personalities in that locker room, there could be some fireworks. There could be some punches thrown, suspensions. I don't know. I I'm selling any bear not named Matt Forte. I agree. I agree. I'm selling on bears. I'm buying on Packers. I'm buying on uh, on. Uh, I think the uh, the Cardinals look good. John Brown's a guy that I would love to get on my roster. He just keeps coming up with big well, plays. What is the, uh, what is the Carson Palmer for his uh, ACL? I think Drew Stanton is a good ad. Drew Stanton could be a good ad in, in leagues if you're looking for a quarterback. Um, but regardless of who you choose, I think the message here is to get in there and get a trade done because we we all love to trade. Uh, there's nothing exciting about staying with the I, same I people. I want one prediction season. from you for our core listeners. Uh, in any of our three leagues that you and I are in, do you anticipate a blockbuster trade occurring between 
now in the deadline. I can guarantee you that I will be the one making that blockbuster trade in at least one of those three leagues. And I can guarantee you that in one of the leagues it won't be with me. I can guarantee that as well. So that's the trade deadline. Uh, let's look a, a little bit ahead now. So uh, you and I were talking about this during the week. We wanted to, to talk about the studs of tomorrow. Obviously, you're a huge college football fan. I love my college football as well. But also, we've got a lot of rookies coming through. So we thought it could be interesting to take a look at, at what this fantasy football scene might look like in three or four years' time. So uh, fast forward, if you will, Adam, to 2017. And I want you to create now for us your MVP starting lineups. These are the studs of tomorrow, the hashtag studs of tomorrow, if you'd like to call them. The guys who you think will just be absolutely killing it in 2017. It could be guys who are in the league right now, or it could be guys who are are coming through college. Certainly in the running back area, we see a lot of of young studs taking sort of one season to get accustomed and then blowing up in the second season. So that could be some guys that we see, you know, coming through the, the ranks right now. But I thought we'd go through position by position and see who we had Starting at the quarterback position, who have you got at the helm, the helm of your 2017 MVP fantasy team, leading the charge at quarterback? Like you said, we've uh, we've really upped our scouting game this year. I know you've been to um, Husky Stadium to Mm. look at guys like Brett Hundley in person and Kevin Hogan in person. He looked great last night, by the way, Brett Hundley, although the, the Huskies did look awful. It, uh, yeah, that was, that was like a, a rough showing. Um, there's a lot of studs as well in the Husky team. They're just all on, well, they were all on defense. I guess some of them are no longer. They were all on defense until we needed them to play offense. But that's that's, that's not an issue anymore. Um, actually, a quarterback, though, my quarterback for 2017 MVP lineup is actually in the league right now. Mm-hmm. That's Andrew that's Luck. Yeah. I think he's going to be year six at that point. He should be Getting, he should be getting better still at that point. And if you look at the people that he wants to be seen as a contemporary with, the Brady's and Peyton Manning, they are constantly getting better until eight or not, year eight, year nine, and then just plateauing and sort of staying there, staying flat. Yeah. And I think he's going to be the same way. He makes everybody better around him. And uh, looking at the uh, you know the guys that might be coming in, the Mariotas, is he too fragile, big enough? Jameis Winston, is he too dumb? Uh, Definitely could be too dumb. The Brett Hundleys, is he just entirely overrated? Um, the Johnny Manziels, will he still be in the bench in Cleveland? What, what's God, happen? Johnny Football I, is interesting. I, I hadn't thought of Johnny Football as an option here. He, he could, well, he, could, he might end up being the best option. But I have Andrew Luck right now as my uh, 2017 quarterback. If you are in a keeper league, get him. He could be your fantasy quarterback for the next 10 years. Absolutely. Uh, well, I, I actually took a, a similar approach. I've got Aaron Rodgers as my 2017 MVP starting QB. And uh, I toyed with Teddy Bridgewater for a little bit. I think he's got a good opportunity if he gets out of Minnesota uh, to turn into a great, a great starting quarterback. But, uh, you know, Rodgers is going to be th- he'll be 33 in 2017. He's dating Olivia Munn, who if he stays with is four years older than him. So she'll be able to teach him. She'll be, she's four years older. So she'll be able to teach him how to become, uh, how to age with grace and beauty. She's going to keep him young, though. She's going to keep him young, precisely. So I think he's still, he's looking great. I uh, And I think he's going to uh, just blossom uh, even more there in Green Bay. And as you said, these quarterbacks sort of come along and they plateau for a long period of time. At least we've seen that with Peyton. We've seen that with Brady. 
And uh, but Luck as well, as you mentioned, was another guy who I thought it could could easily be the MVP in in 2017. Rogers, he probably won't be relying on his legs quite as much, but he seems like a guy who's got the uh, got the intelligence to adapt. He's got the to, smarts. To the higher age. He uh, he also his mustache will probably still be in great form at that time. Absolutely. To to use it, and it's another one of those guys where you don't necessarily know who the hell he's throwing the ball to because it doesn't matter. Tom Brady, it's, it's too dangerous to have any of those wide receivers on your team, but if you have that quarterback, you're set up. I can guarantee oh, guarantee it won't be Jay Cutler. Who's, who's your team going to be handing the ball off to? I've got two guys here who, uh, one is in the league right now, but in a backup role, and one is... Uh, one is is coming up to the ranks at hashtag start of tomorrow. Uh, the, my RB1 is a guy that I saw go this afternoon as the backup to Marshawn Lynch and, and record 70 yards and uh, and almost a touchdown. Hey, Christine? Christine Michael. That was a hell of a run. That was a great run. Uh, he looks fantastic. And here's the big thing, though. When you look at that sideline, who is Russell Wilson talking to? It is not Marshawn Lynch. It is Christine Michael a lot of the time. They are good bros. They have a lot of chemistry. Uh, Lynch will be gone from that se- from that team at the end of this season. Uh, he's a, a fantastic running back, but he's coming towards the end of his career. Christine Michael is prime there and has, has kind of been touted for a couple of years now as the next big thing in Seattle. Seattle saw today that if they run the football, they win games, and they're not likely to go away from that formula. So I think Christine Michael could be a, a huge fantasy stud. In 2017, he'll be sort of hitting his mid-20s and hitting his straps. The other guy I've got is is a, a wild card, and I'd be curious to see what you think about whether he's going to play running back at all, where he might end up in the league. If he's going to end up in the league, I'm pretty sure he will. Miles Jack out of UCLA, who I had a oh, chance wow. to scout in person this weekend. Uh, he got a lot of boos in the Washington crowd. He's actually a Seattle-born, born and bred out of Bellevue High School. But... Uh, incredibly elusive, the kind of guy you don't want to kick to, the kind of guy you don't want to bring the ball out. And uh, a bit like someone else who I thought about, DeAnthony Thomas, who's currently in Kansas City, just has that X factor which might actually be able to blossom into a solid NFL career. I I think Miles Jack is very similar, both you know on, on paper in terms of his positions and also what he's actually better at as uh, your boy Shaq Thompson, who I thought you were going to unveil in that spot. I couldn't possibly uh, put Shaq into the running back, <laughs> the running back spot. I think he's going to end up as a great uh, a, a great linebacker, Shaq Thompson. But, I think Miles uh, Jack will also end up as a great linebacker. I think he will as well, but who knows? One of those, one of those two guys. I'd love to see one of these guys play both positions in the NFL. I would love to see that too. You don't see enough of, of, of dual threat players in the NFL. So who have you got there at running back for your two guys? similar framework as you. I actually thought you were going to go with the same guy as me. I have a current NFL player mm-hmm. performing in a backup role, and I have a college player who um, you could argue is already a professional based on the things upfield <laughs> is technically enrolled at the university. Uh, that is, well, I'll start with the NFL guy, and it's a little bit of a leap of faith because he's been known to um, be charged with domestic assault. Uh, that's Jeremy Hill, who you know I'm a big fan of as a athlete on the field. Only as an athlete. Out of LSU, he's got he's got the stage, he's got the shake and bake. He's already at 400 yards, five touchdowns right now halfway through the season, 
and uh, is going to be getting more and more of a, a load as the year goes on. He's averaging 4.7 yards per carry right now. Um, I think that he is the long-term answer. And Jay Cutler pick. Sorry, Jay Cutler pick. <laughs> um, what a shock. What a shock. What a shock. <laughs> oh, that was great. Um, yeah, I think that he's he's the, the long-term answer in, in Cincinnati. And the way that that coaching staff and system is built, it's a real ground-and-pound team. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, they're, if Andy is going to be the quarterback in 2017, it's going to be because he's handing the ball off more than he's throwing it. Yeah, I like Jeremy Hill there, and and I'd, I'd actually completely block from my mind, perhaps intentionally, that he had that, that history at LSU. But uh, I don't see a long-term prospect there for Geo. I know, know a lot of people are huge Geo fans, but the build of his body, he's not sort of made to be a feature back at an NFL team for a long period of time. So Jeremy's more of a, a downhill runner, I think could have a, a huge career there at the, at the Bengals. I think, uh, I think that Jeremy's destiny is a third down back on a Super Bowl contending team. So it's not in Cincinnati. Absolutely. Who's your second uh, running back? Guy, uh, okay, sorry. Who's your second running back? My other guy is Todd Gurley. Todd I knew of, you'd pick Todd Gurley. Georgia, you might, uh, you might have seen him demolishing defenses in the SEC. Mm-hmm. You might have seen him uh, signing stuff that's on eBay. But he's, some people think he's the best running back prospect since Adrian Peterson and um, that he's just he's so physical. He won't fumble. He's got receiving amounts of speed. He's, he's, he runs like Eddie Lacy if Eddie Lacy was in great shape. Yeah. Um, it's, it's pretty incredible what this guy can do. And I think that he's actually – going to break that streak that we had in the last couple of years with no running backs going in the first round. Mm-hmm. I think he'll be the first, um, which Trent Richardson wins for everybody. Trent Richardson. But, I, uh, I noticed he's not on any of these 2017 pick pick lists. I think that, that Todd Gurley is the kind of guy where if he is on, say, the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, Jacksonville can win six games. Oh, wow. That's I God, I hope he's not on the Jacksonville team. I really hope that he's spared of that. But... Uh, Todd Gurley, he could be fantastic. I, I noticed this weekend as an aside, actually, if you mention to uh, someone whose team is in the Pac-12 that someone has SEC speed, they don't take it that well. I thought that was just a term, but it turns out it's... Oh, that's a term. That's a, that's I know it's a term, but they don't they don't like that that uh, that phrase over here in the Pac-12. Well, ask, ask the Pac-12, ask your Pac-12 people what happened the last time they ran into SEC speed the 2012 National Championship game. Yikes. Well, uh... That was uh, with Cam Newton under center? Poor Scam. Good times. Good times. So, at the wide receiver spot, uh, two guys... Who have you got there? uh, People either in the NFL right now or perhaps a stud of tomorrow uh, who might be coming up through the college ranks? I have have nobody that's in the NFL right now, although I was tempted to put Des Bryant on this list. Mm -hmm. Because of his physicality. He reminds me a lot of Harold Owens, who was even at like age 35, still scoring touchdowns and uh, very effective. Uh, touchdown Andrew Corliss, by the way, in our live announcements from the Packers game. Oh, wow. I believe that's a U Bengals start. Could he be a tight end later down this list? I think he's uh, a, I think that's a U Bengals start right there, Andrew Corliss. What a great pickup from U Bengals in this tough bye week. Huge, huge pickup for the U Bengals. Uh, <laughs> legend. Yeah, I, I, so I thought about putting Des Bryant on here. I think he's the one guy in the league right now who is in his prime but built to age well. Mm-hmm. I went with two guys who are not 
in the league right now. Um, one may surprise you, one might not surprise you. The first is a gentleman out of Arizona State named Jalen Strong. Are you familiar with Jalen? I am not that familiar with Jalen, I'll be honest. Cir- uh, I, I call him Circus Catch Jalen because uh, he, he doesn't like to catch the ball with two hands, mostly because he doesn't have to. He's just one of those guys, likes to rub it in your face. Fair enough. Um, he is, Arizona State is in the t- controls their own destiny for a spot in the playoffs this year. And he's by far the best player offensively on that team. There's his territory, the quarterback, so-so, offensive line, so-so, the running game, so-so. Jalen Strong, not so-so. I think you can expect him to go in the late first round next year, mm-hmm. uh, maybe like 18 to 25, 30 range. And I think that actually helps his outlook because he's going to be going to a better team where he won't have to uh, – what I think was ruined Cordero Patterson, for instance, yeah. is he's having to be the guy in Minnesota and learn with a young quarterback, and it's a disaster. Uh, you're going to see Jalen Strong end up in a team that already is established, but bring him along a little bit slowly in 2015, and by the time he gets to 2017, he's going to be the number one wideout on a really, really good NFL team. Uh, my second guy will also be the number one wideout on a really, really good team in 2017, if he doesn't get arrested, that is Doyle Green Beckham out of uh, University of Oklahoma, as it pains me to say. Yes. 6'6", 48-plus-inch vertical leap, runs a 4-4-40. Is, is, he's Megatron. Yeah, I mean, uh, and look, a lot of people have had uh, had their experiences before the NFL. You mentioned Jeremy Hill before. So there's nothing to think that he's not going to uh, not going to perform well in the professional league. So long as he keeps his uh, keeps his nose clean. Keep, keep his keeps his his, uh, his nose nose clean, his lungs clean, his fists clean. Um, yes, yeah, just, just generally, if he can stay clean, and uh, you know, see some some people change, and hopefully he'll be catching touchdowns like he was in the SEC title game last year when he was he was the best player on the field in that game. Fingers crossed. Well, uh, I've got two guys. One of them is in the NFL right now, and one is uh, a hashtag start of tomorrow in the in the college football. Uh, my number one wide receiver, who I think is going to be the best wide receiver in the game in 2017, this may shock you to hear it. It's a guy who I have been out on, but I'm backing on right now. Jeremy Macklin. Oh, wow. You flipped the what? <laughs> I flipped. Oh. I flipped all the way around. On, uh, I've, seen you, I've seen you flip flip-flop on people before, early and often, but this one... Maybe it's that I'm getting older and I'm, I'm, I'm retaining less, less uh, fewer emotions and fewer feelings, especially of... Me, my, um, my mom and my former stepmom take it along now, because mm. neither of them are married to my dad. That's, I mean, that's exactly what it's like, you know, uh, Jeremy and I obviously had our, had our differences that he was not aware of, but I was all too aware of in the past. But now I think he is the best, obviously the best wide receiver there in Philadelphia. But if he stays healthy, and fingers crossed he does, I think he has the capacity to be one of the very best wideouts in the NFL. He's got incredible speed, a great pair of hands, and is in a great setup there in Philadelphia, which is destined to succeed in two or three years' time. Uh, I think Chip Kelly's program will be really starting to hit strides in 2017. So I think he's... I think he's going to stay in Philly. I think he's uh, he loves being the number one there. So long as they're willing to pay him, and I, I feel like they will. Uh, he doesn't have m- many people competing for catches there. 
Uh, Riley Cooper seems to have, have offended everyone there, and he's, he's not getting many receptions. Jordan Matthews is coming along, but is not likely to take Macklin's uh, you know, number one spot there for long So uh, at all. So I, I think Macklin has got a huge future ahead of him, especially if he stays in Philly. Uh, the second guy I've got, I've got two guys that I'd love to throw you away, uh, both from the college football realm. First guy is uh, a guy who I know you're a fan of, Tyler Lockett out of Kansas State, the Wildcats. And uh, he's electric. He's an electric player. He makes things happen. He's still raw, and he's still got a few things that he needs to work on. Sometimes he has the odd drop here and there, but I think he could be huge. I think maybe drafted in the second, third, maybe even the fourth round. Where where do you think he would go in next year's draft? I think he's uh, he's probably about a third rounder, um, but he's one of those guys that numbers at the combine could push him up a notch. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a uh, he's in near the top for setting records at Kansas State, and all the records he's breaking are uh, Jordy Nelson, who's done done okay for himself. So I've heard. Well, that's so interesting that you mentioned Jordy Nelson because the the other guy I wanted to mention is I think he is the Jordy Nelson of the future. He's in the top five in terms of wide receivers in college football this year. Nelson Spruce out of University of Colorado. Are you familiar with Nelson's work? I'm actually not that familiar with Nelson's work. I know he's taking Paul Richardson's place. But... Let me tell you this. He looks like... like a kitty. What that type? He looks like Jordy Nelson, and he catches like Jordy Nelson, and he is going to be a stud of tomorrow. I think he he gets a, a, a spot on a team as like a third or fourth wide receiver, works his way up, and, and becomes a... Uh, uh, the next Jordy Nelson, basically. He's got a great speed, great pair of hands, and can run a route like anyone else. So they're my, they're my wide receivers for uh, 2017. I love that take. It shows breadth of your Pac-12 scouting you're doing out there on the West Coast for us. I don't think any uh, any other fantasy football site that I know of knows who's going to be relevant four years from now on both coasts. Well, let's uh, – and if, you, if you're at home listening to this right now, just go – do yourself a favor. Go on YouTube and, and look for Nelson Spruce and see some see some highlights from him. Uh, yeah, did you pick a flex for this for this team? Uh, well, I, I have I have a flex, but uh, we do a flex or tight end first. Oh, tight end. Who have you got a tight end? I got Julius Thomas as my 27th tight end. Great call. Tight end. He's only going to be 29. He's younger than Jimmy Graham. Tight end is a situation that ages well, like like a fine wine. Your Jason Witten, your Tony Gonzalez did it for 15 years. And the thing about Julius Thomas is, he didn't play football until his junior year of college. Mm. Played basketball player, but he doesn't have any miles on the odometer. His legs are fresh. That's true. I I uh, I think he could be huge. Uh, Jimmy Graham obviously is still going to be in the conversation. Gronk maybe in the conversation. Uh, but one, I, I tell you what, one guy I think who I would love to see there is Ladarius Green in San Diego, who has been promised as like the tight end of tomorrow for for years so now. I think. Do you think? Do you think we'll have this? Do you think Antonio yeah. Gates might still be the the stud tight end in San, San Diego in 2017? I think the closest of, of Antonio Gates might still be the tight end, or maybe they'll I don't know sign no. some other old guy from another team and we'll still be drafted with Darius Green in round nine. Flyers on him and dropping him by week two. Quite possibly, but uh, the guy I have as my tight end is Austin Safari Jenkins down there in Tampa Bay. He picked up a touchdown. Oh, yeah, today. Yeah, he picked up a touchdown today. Yeah, he also picked up a fifteen-yard penalty celebrating his touchdown. Yeah, that's the kind of guy he is. But I, you know, as we've spoken about a lot in this segment, uh, you got to hope that some of these guys mature a little bit and uh, and become better so, citizens. 
Uh, we, I don't know how good of general managers we'd be in real football because we don't take character into consideration. But absolutely in not football. That doesn't matter. No, so uh, we'll see if Austin can come along. He's got a great pair of hands and, and some great speed and plenty of opportunities down there in Tampa Bay. Mike Evans, huge game today as well. Uh, Mike Evans could easily be on this list. He could definitely be on this so list. The last two weeks, I think he has three touchdowns in the last two weeks. And um, it seems like those, those quarterbacks have just figured out the system, throw it up, Absolutely. jump to it. God, they, it only took him uh, 10 weeks longer than every other commentator in America. But... Uh, who have you got in your flex position to round out this Studs of Tomorrow team 2017? Oh, wow. This is sort of cheating because we only, we only have one uh, one flex. But I have two guys that I cannot decide between. Uh, one is a running back mm-hmm. out of Arkansas that I think will be an RB1 candidate by the time that we get to 2017. Reminds me of a little bit of a shift year area spot that's Alex Collins out of the University of Arkansas, fun fact about Alex, which uh, makes me like him even more, Alex is from Florida, I believe the Miami area, and on National Signing Day in 2013, he picked Arkansas over the Florida schools, but you, oh, wow. for some reason in college football, they still use fax machines on signing day, you have to fax in your letter of intent, of course, uh, in order for, for it to be official that you're going there and on signing day. So his mom stole his letter of intent and drove off with it and <laughs> refused to let him fax it in. So the coach was in Arkansas. He was the best player in the recruiting class. They're waiting on this letter, and he's calling. He's like, my mom has the letter. I can't get to the letter. And she has to sign it, too. So it looked like they could just send him a new one. He could send it in. So then the dad had to get involved. But anyway, like three days later, the letter was sent into the University of Arkansas. What a nightmare. And, uh, He's sprinted straight there and has run for 2,000 yards since then. Just, he just keeps running. So, so I got him. And then uh, I have a wide receiver option, too. Kevin White from West Virginia. Are you familiar with Kevin? I know, I'm not super familiar with him, but I know West Virginia has had an incredible season, an unexpected season for the Mountaineers. He's got a uh, – well, they, they lost. They lost you some money on Saturday. But yeah, that was sad. Uh, Kevin, Kevin White, UCO transfer. I don't think he had many offers. Maybe just West Virginia. He has 1,200 yards in the 10 games this year. Uh, great threads, great speed, stretch the field option. Um, if, if you took everything that I liked about Kelvin Benjamin and then everything I don't like about Kelvin Benjamin wasn't a problem, mm-hmm. it would be Kevin White. Yeah, it's funny. I, Kelvin Benjamin hasn't been mentioned at all in this team. I, I do wonder if he's a bit of a flash in the pan. Uh, Sammy Watkins is another guy who I don't know where he's going to be in 2017. The flex I chose was actually, he's in the the NFL right now. He's had a couple of seasons, uh, but I think he should be really sort of uh, hitting his stride in 2017. That's Le'Veon Bell uh, in there. I forgot about Le'Veon. That's a, that's a good pick. I, it's hard to project, you know, that'll be year five, him, I believe. Six? Five. This is year two. So. This is year two, so five. Um, which is probably, you know, toward, towards the end of, a peak performance, but it could still be hitting his number there. Yeah, well, I think he's the kind of runner who's very durable. Matthews. Yeah. Ryan Matthews is on your list? Ryan Matthews is not on my list, no. Is he on your list? Is Monte Ball on your list? Monte Ball is not on my list. Monte Ball, I've never been disappointed by someone as much as I've been disappointed by Monte Ball. That is a sad thing. I'll, uh, but I'll be interested to see if he if he comes back if Monte comes back at the end of this season I'll it all will be all will be forgiven 
if he can just give me a couple of 10-point games. All right, so uh, that's our studs of tomorrow. That's great. That's great. We'll come back. We'll revisit that in 2017 and see how we go. Uh, well, Barry, we'll record this on, uh, on a tape. Barry, the, <laughs> in, the, uh, in, the, in the oyster field down by, down by your home. And then uh, we'll, we'll dig it up. We'll dig it up in 2017 and see what happened. <laughs> that sounds great. Let's switch. Let's switch gears a little bit now and, and move into some fantasy basketball. Huge start to this NBA season, Adam. And isn't it great? The third the end of week two. Isn't it great to see basketball back on the television? Oh, look, well, I mean, we've been trying to figure out for weeks what to do on Tuesday night, Wednesday, Wednesday night, night. <laughs> Friday night. Once CBS ended their contract, and Friday night, and now we have things. It's uh, it's a, it's an amazing it's thing. Trades and waivers and having to set lineups while uh, you may or may not be at work. Great stuff. Ah, oh, so good. So uh, it's uh, it's an intensive thing. Fantasy basketball, we love it very much. Early season NBA impressions. I just want to start off this with you with a a number which I think is going to shock you and impress you. Uh, the Utah Jazz just twenty minutes ago defeated the Detroit Pistons 97-96. to And if I can just read you through Dante Exum's uh, oh, wow. box score here. see the box score. Let so we've got, uh, he got shot two of four from the field, five, five of five free, uh, free throws for nine points, three rebounds, five assists, and one steal for 25.7 fantasy points. Question for you, is this the year of the Utah Jazz? I, first of all, I... I Gonna update my my rookie rankings this week. I had Dante seven oh. going into the season, fantasy wise. Got to be up to the top I, three. He might be as high as two right yeah. now. Uh, he, he is rising. The Jazz are rising to the peaks of the Mormon Mountains out there. Um, <laughs> look, I my number one surprise so far this year has been a Jazz player. It's been Gordon Hayward. He's been averaging forty point nine fantasy points a game. Isn't he great? And he's looking great. Jacking up shots because somebody's got to score, but. Gordon Hayward, who looks like he's bulked up and his aged past. He's aged. He looks he looks 20 years older. It looks like he went from age 17 to 30. I don't know what happened. Uh, but he's averaging six bangs and five to six a game to go along with the points he knew he would score. Um, it's been pretty great. And they, they, beat, they beat a team today in the Pistons that likes to bang. Loves uh, the bank. Cummins and Monroe combined for 29 rebounds in that game, actually. Now, how much uh, of this, how much, how much of this Jazz revival do you put down to uh, Quinn Snyder's work? Your friend Quinn Snyder. Uh, I'm sure that Quinn has a great staff. <laughs> That's all. I'm sure he has a great staff supporting him and helping him make informed decisions. I can tell you from the from the sideline today, he looked over from the uh, from the bench. He looked like he was. Really, sort of calming everyone down. He calmed Gordon down at one stage. He calmed Dante down at one stage. So the Jazz are looking. Yeah, I think looking I great. Think, uh, I think Joe Inglis might be coaching that team. I think he could be the uh, the experienced the Aussie. The he uh, he's being called a rook by uh, Gordon Hayward, who's four years younger than him. But as Joe keeps uh, quietly saying, he's been playing in professional basketball for almost ten years now. So. Uh, Jazz are Jazz are looking good on the other end of the spectrum out there in the Western Conference. Uh, Oklahoma City Thunder started the year one and five, and uh, they're in a str- tight struggle right now with the Kings, up by about five or six Another points. Another surprise team. Yeah. Another big surprise team. Yeah. Your thoughts on OKC's woes? Your thoughts on uh, on the Kings' 
highs this year? I the thing is, like every if we could have done this touchdown, Jordy Nelson, by the way. Oh, go Jordy! We done this uh, weeks, weeks ago or days ago, and every day that we could have done this podcast on this conversation, we would have said, "All right, this guy got hurt on the Thunder. Pick up Harry Jones. Pick up Reggie Jackson. They keep going down." Yeah. Why? It's not a reliable fantasy option on that team. I know someone has to score points. Yeah. Um, in fact, it's actually, I think, hurt Ibaka because they're having to ask Ibaka to do a lot more now. He's doing too much. Averaging 17 and 7, but uh, his shooting percentage is not as high as they have been. And part of that's because they can key down on him. Mm-hmm. Ray Jones is actually looking really good before he went down. He was. But uh, the Kings, the Kings. How about the Kings? I love the Kings. I, I actually I picked up my five league pass teams this week, and uh, I'm going to upgrade to the whole thing, I think. But I still love that process of choosing the five. The Kings were the second team that I picked uh, behind the Dante Exum Jazz, of course, and have not been disappointed so far, let me tell you. Boogie's looking so mature. Oh, they're, uh, Bo- Boogie's, Boogie's looking great. Rudy Gay is passing a little bit more. He's, but- a, new, he's a new man. He had 40 points the other night on, um, it was like 13 shots. I can look it up on his uh, game log here. I mean, it was an incredibly efficient performance from a guy who um, is 40 points on 19 shots. Yeah, Amazing. I've never been known for being remotely efficient in any manner. And uh, Darren Collison, the much maligned Darren Collison. Oh, look great. Think he's gonna, I don't think he's going to help him win games in the long run. No. But he's also averaging 34 fantasy points a game. That's, uh, I mean, if you're starting fantasy points are doing that for you, you're not in bad shape. He looks like he's slimmed down a little bit. And, uh, and, and he, but he's looking incredibly efficient. Uh, Omri Caspi looks like he might be the spiritual leader of the team, uh, w- which I love. Uh, it's, it's just, it's all looking great there in Sacramento. Um, stay, staying west for a second. Golden State are unbeaten. Steph Curry put up a shitload of points last night. Is is Stephen Curry a possible uh, uh, MVP for this season? Oh, I think he absolutely is. I mean, right now he's the um, I believe he's the number two fantasy player mm-hmm. right now. In um, he must be just behind uh, Anthony Davis. Yes, he's behind Anthony Davis. He's number two, and the amount of threes that he's making per game, I think it's three and a half on average. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's shooting them at a high percentage, but we know the three missing threes don't hurt you like missing twos do in fantasy. Uh, still, that's the, the amount of bonus points that you're getting right there. I think that it's going to be hard for anyone to top Anthony Davis if Anthony Davis can stay healthy. Mm-hmm. But um, Stephens doing some amazing things, and the fact that Clay Thompson is performing so well for getting paid, a really good complimentary fantasy option or real team option, they're having trouble doubling either of those guys because they're both going to let it fly. Yeah, he's uh, he's looking that that backcourt that team is looking fantastic and great to watch. And Bogut has had a, a great start to the season. Eighteen boards last night for Andrew Bogut. Oh wow! Eighteen bangs. He's back. He's back. <laughs> he's back. How long he'll be back for? We we don't know. But uh, Bogut's looking great. Uh, what other early season impressions do you have? Uh, the Mavs are looking good as well, obviously, which you'd be excited about. Oh, I'm 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 thrilled. They're. Uh... They're still learning how to space and move the ball right. Um, they're losing to the Heat right now in the third quarter. Um, they've actually been the worst third quarter team in the NBA and the best first quarter team. That shocks me. NBA. So that's, 
that's a lot of fun. Uh, makes you got to stay awake for the whole game. But um, they're they got guys that are shooting the ball at a really really good clip. And Dirk and Parsons and Monta, there's so many weapons, and um, they're letting Tyson Chandler clean up on the glass. I think that he's been a little bit better with the option than I expected this year. Um, the bench guys, they have so many weapons on the bench, but it's, you probably don't want to own any of those people, particularly the guards like Harris, Correa, because any of them can go off in any night, or you can get zero points out of them. Yeah, I've been considering. But, uh, I've been thinking about JJ. JJ's looked good since he's gone in there, but uh, as you said, it's a tough, it's a tough one to pick who's going to get hot on that Mavs bench. I, I want to ask you about a guy that has caught my eye who is – his team is, is not good, and they're not going to be good. And I haven't – he hasn't been picked as banger of the night because one of the things you have to do to win banger of the night on FantasyGamer.com is your team has to win the game. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, he's put up tons and tons of double-doubles and losing efforts. Nikola Vucevic yeah. had 27-12 tonight against uh, the Nets, averaging 17 points, 12 bangs a game, Block and a half a game, shooting 500% uh, or 50% from the floor. As far as like good guys, bad team goes, I would be willing to trade a lot if anyone in our league is listening to acquire this guy for I love the big, the big, I think he's either Serbian or Montenegrin or something, you know, the, the big, uh, the big Yugoslavian, the big Slav. He is, uh, he is just dynamic on a team, a magic team, which is, they are looking bad again. Aren't they? And I know Oladipo's out right now, but but if that's your if that's your comeback from a bad start, is that your second year fairly good shooting guard is out, then your team is in a whole lot of trouble. Um, Alfred Payton not looking too bad, but sort of not lighting things on fire yet. So, uh, but but to find a shot six and a half assists, four and a half rebounds. Those numbers are good. He never really so, had a shot. He didn't. He's not the kind of guy who really had a shot coming into it. So. Um, Reminded me a little bit more of Rondo than I expected because you just can't shoot the ball. Yeah, cannot shoot yet, but uh, you know you might be able to learn that, I guess. But I, I mean, I love Vucevic. I, I just think he's in a tough spot there in Orlando. He is going to pull down a lot of boards, so uh, so he he's worth it from that perspective. Um, another bad, and I'd be interested in this guy getting this guy's uh, your your take on this guy for me is uh, Kenneth Fareed. Second in rebounding, by the way. Oh, Fareed. I didn't pay much attention to Denver this year. They're they're awful. On my, they're awful. Uh, on my, they're my fantasy shit list because they play too many guys. I know. Like eleven or twelve guys. There's no rotation. Their coach Brian Shaw has no idea who to put on the floor. Everybody's playing to up their trade value and get out of there. It's awful. Uh, it's so bad. No, and I, I watched I watched an incredible game the other day. I watched the Kings versus the Nuggets. Which the Kings were up by thirty or so, but for some reason I stayed there in front of the TV. It's one of those West Coast things. It's only like it's only like seven thirty, eight o'clock at night, and it's the fourth quarter in the Kings Nuggets on a Wednesday, and the, the Kings were up by twenty five, and so you sit around and you watch this this fourth quarter of basketball, and it was absolutely awful. Ty Lawson doesn't look great uh, and kind of looks lost a little bit because he got he doesn't really know what's going on in that team. Uh, Javale McGee doesn't get many minutes. Kenneth looks like he's wasted out there. I don't know. I, I, I just don't know what they're doing there in Denver apart from making fantastic uniforms. Uh, yeah, I can't figure it out. I think that they're all probably miserable. Mm-hmm. And with Fareed, I mean, Fareed's got to be scoring more than 10 points a game. That's, yeah. Uh, and you're, with the amount that you paid for him or drafted him in the league, 
I wouldn't mind. I mean, I don't know. He's he's the kind of guy who you would expect to do well on a bad team, but like you said, there are just too many options there, and the chemistry's bad. I don't think it probably is. I've got Danilo Gallinari in my team, and he's awful, uh, and and still very still, like, still really banged up on one leg. So um, I would be shopping all Nuggets at this stage to try and try and move them along. Uh, any other big first impressions you had from this season? found a shot yet, and I think that'll come around. Uh, he's a bingo fan favorite. Lands maker Dan Stevenson. Oh, he's averaging yes. ten and a half rebounds a game through six games. I made two offers for him this week, but got turned down on both. Just two? Just two. I know, it was a quiet week. What were you putting out there? What was the deal? Uh, it was bad. I think it involved Gallinari, actually. And maybe even Ben Gordon. So, uh, nothing, nothing uh, great. Name. Nothing great, but I tell you what. Did you see his game winner the other night? Oh yeah. And uh, sort of threw it up. It was an ugly, the ugliest shot you'll ever see for three. Wins the game, goes and stands on the bench and pounds his chest. Uh, he is it's so dynamic to watch. And even when he I scores, video, Bob. That's what, been worth, I thought that should worth five minutes point. I know. I, I wish there were some intangibles which they which they placed on the fancy football, uh, sorry, fancy basketball uh, scoring. Palette, so but uh, Lance is just looking looking beautiful, and I think. You know, did you know that they play? So Lance has a rap song, and they play it during the intros of the Hornets game. Lance's song they play. Yes, he must and, have worked uh, that out in the contract. Uh, there's there's an interview that came out. I think on Friday, Zach Lowe of Grantland did an interview with Lance Stevenson and posted some transcripts online. And apparently he talks in the rap song a lot about popping bottles. And so, so Zach will ask him if he's a big partier. And Lance says he likes to go out and have fun with his friends, but he does not drink and does not smoke. So they ask him again why he talks about popping so many bottles in the song. And he says that he just likes to rap about it. That's amazing. He's just, he's just responding to what else is out there. I love that he's a, I didn't know he didn't drink and didn't smoke. Well, that's why he's such a such a legend, I guess, of the of the NBA today. I tell you what, on that Hornets team though, Al Jefferson is looking good. Uh, he's banging very hard. He's looking bigger than last year, which I didn't know was possible. Uh, and him and Lance seem to be establishing some chemistry. I think that would be a great sort of buddy cop film if they got together to solve some crimes. But on the even if they can't do that, they could form a bit of a, a one-two duo there in or, Charlotte this year. Is it more? Um... Jordan Nelson just caught another touchdown. Uh, Twenty-eight nothing, Green Bay. Is it more uh, True Detective or is it? Uh, it's more uh, Turner, Turner and Hooch. Bad boys? Is it Bad Boys? No, it's like Turner and Hooch or uh, or Lethal Weapon or one of those uh, bad nineteen eighties, late eighties, early nineties uh, LA cop films. So, uh, moving on from the impressions of what we've got of the of the start of the NBA season, I thought we could start a process of counting down our NBA teams by fantasy value. Uh, we'll continue this next week with a with a few more groups, but uh, we'll start. We'll kick it off this week, taking these away in groups of five. I want us to work down what you think are the stinkiest five teams this year in terms in terms of their fantasy value. Now, this could involve. 
they're not going to put up a lot of shots. Like you said before, the Nuggets, you know, a team which is, they haven't quite worked out their identities. So not necessarily the worst five teams in the NBA, but teams which are going to be uh, disappointing in terms of their in terms of their uh, value. So do you want to kick us off with your 30th, 30th pick in the, in the, for this 2014-2015 NBA season? I absolutely will. This was, a, this was an easy one. Uh, we, we talked about them at nauseam already. How about the Zimber Nuggets for 30th overall? Oh, wow. That's uh, that's interesting. I had them. I had them in this stinky group. I had them at twenty seven, uh, because because just because I think people like Fareed may find some value as they go on, but uh, certainly at the beginning of the season they've shown no signs of that. My problem is they don't have a guy from a fantasy perspective, and you would think it would be an animal, but it hasn't lived up that way. Mm-hmm. It can do a little bit of, of everything. Yeah. Ty um, Lawson is the assist guy. But Ty's scoring is down this year, and yeah. he's not rebounding at all. He's too small to bang. You've got a bunch of crazy bangers like Mozgov and Javiel McGee and Nurkic. Nurkic. Now Joseph uh, Joseph Nurkic is a guy that I think no one should sleep on. If, if you, uh, I'm still thinking about picking him up and stashing him on my bench. He's still getting the bang they, out there. They, they can bang, but they're not going to put the ball. They're not going to put the ball in the hoop. See, here's and the thing, right? But here's the thing: big guys are just jacking up shots. To me, it's atrocious. But why do you have why do you have on your team JaVale McGee, Joseph Nurkic, Manimal, and who else have they got there as a bang? they got too many bangers in there? Moskov. They got Moskov. Why have you got Moskov and Nurkic? JJ Hickson. JJ Hickson was suspended the first five games. He's supposed to come back this week. They've got too many too many big guys who all they can do is get rebounds. Too many bangs in the bus. Too many bangs in the bus. So, okay, you've got the Nuggets at 30. I've got them at 27. Uh, at my back-end position, I'm sure this team features somewhere in your bottom five. It's the Indiana Pacers. Oh, they're my number 29. Number 29, perfect. We can agree they're real sticky. <laughs> Absolutely awful. Uh, they were certainly a team that did not stand out to me when I was selecting my five league pass teams. Uh, Roy Hibbert is maybe the fulcrum of their offense, which is all you need to know about this team. Oh, that's bad. There's, um, it's really difficult for an NBA team to employ someone that I'm not familiar with. And they have a few of those people on their roster. I think they started Solomon Hill at games, which mm-hmm. uh, when ESPN did their NBA rank, he was ranked like number 375 overall. Yep. They just pulled A.J. Price off the waiver wire. Luis Scola is expected to contribute on some level. That's bad. Luis Scola is like one of their top seven scorers, at least. Maybe top six. That's that's how that's how bad this team is. George Hill, I thought last year, he annoyed me more than, many, more than a lot of other guys. I think he was kind of responsible for a lot of that really poor run of form in the last two months, um, refused to offer anything from the point, point guard position, refused to uh, get it to the rim. And, and he's, no one on the team that can shoot three, also. No, no one who can shoot, and then no one who can really take it take it to the hoop. So uh, the pace is uh, just awful, and if you're stuck watching one of their games, it's it's pretty sad this year. So who do you have at 29, and I have the Pacers at 29? So you got Pacers at 29. i got the Orlando Magic at 29. They, uh, Are they in your bottom five? Because of Booth and because of uh, being a proud Alfred Payton owner, I do not have them in my bottom five. Oh, my God. They, I, I think they're... They're probably just outside. I think we'll be talking about them next week. But I believe they're one in five right now uh, to start the season. And I feel like from a fantasy value, they have when Session Oladipo comes back and Fournier has been scoring some points, 
you can own you can own those guys and watch them. And it doesn't matter if they, they win or lose the game. But, I don't uh, think Fournier counts. I, I, I don't think Fournier counts. And I think Peyton is still finding his shot, as you said. And and I'd be interested in seeing his numbers. So on you you own him. On average, how many points are you seeing per night out of Alfred Payton? Not enough. Not enough. Like 15, um, 20? Uh, roster. I think it'd be in the like fifteen to twenty range or ten to twenty range, which is uh, not bad, but not great. So Alfred Payton to date is uh, averaging seventy uh, twenty five a game on the season. Fifth point. That's not bad. Last week thirty one and a half, so he's trending upwards. Okay. Uh, today, today eight. Today not so good. Okay. Only made one shot. So, I mean, he's, I guess he's probably going to blossom and then Oladipo will be coming back. So maybe I have got him ranked a little low here. Um, maybe they should be over the Nugget. The Nugget should be over them or something like that. But uh, but either way, I think they're, they're going to be a tough team to, to watch this season also, but mainly a tough team to have guys on your, on, your, on your team, apart from Vucevic that we spoke about before. In the 28th spot, I've got a team which I think you're going to uh, disagree with me about. Um, but I, but I, I've got a, a, a strong point of view for this. The Minnesota Timberwolves are my 28th Absolutely team. Absolutely disagree. I am running with the Wolves. <laughs> Even the, we, the, the covered wagon did hit a pothole uh, with Ricky Rubio's ankle, but uh, I, they are not in my bottom five. They are, Why are they in your bottom five? They don't know who they are. And if you watch them play basketball, they are awful to watch play basketball. They don't know what their jobs are. Uh, Wiggins doesn't know if he's a scorer or a defender, but he probably has to be a scorer. Thad Young is meant to be uh, is meant to be at a three point scorer. He's meant to take it to the hoop. He's meant to be a rim protector. Uh, and, uh, Ricky Rubio is injured. Zach Levine is too fresh and too raw. Kevin Martin is bad. All these guys sort of come together to make this perfect storm of decreased and declining fantasy decreased fantasy value. And uh, and it's and and then you got Peck Peck in the middle of it, who sometimes is running their offense. Who thought Peck could run an offense? I uh, I, I wouldn't argue with Peck if he was running my offense because he would beat the shit out of me. But uh, I I think I think they're somewhere in the twenties. Mm-hmm. I think that they're uh, I think maybe right now you have them at the right place. Uh, looking holistically at the season, I think we're going to see them. Grow together. Flickrick's going to come back. Going to be, it's going to be a really, really, really poor man who lives under a overpass outside of the Target headquarters in Minnesota version <laughs> of Lob City. That is that is the poorest man's version of Lob City. Uh, I know they're exciting. I know a lot of people are talking about how exciting they are, but they they just ha- they're not clicking for me, and uh, I don't, they're not clicking on the fantasy board really either. Who have you got in the twenty? 20- in the tw- Let me tell you about a team that is definitely not exciting. Go on. In any way, the Los Angeles Lakers. Oh, no, I I heartily disagree. I have these guys ranked way higher. I think they are the most difficult team <laughs> to watch right now. There's one, well, there's one guy taking all the shots. We know who that is. 40, 40 or 50 shots. Many of those shots. <laughs> um, he's, I guess some people in auction league probably got a good deal on Kobe Bryant, but... It, it's tough to watch someone skills evaporate, but in their mind, their skills have not evaporated at all. Absolutely. Um, it's kind of like watching a player with dementia. Lynn, I have great memories of Lynn Sanity and our, our time together mm-hmm. in New York City. Um, our, they all had those the great Lynn Sanity shirts. Oh, 
pour one out for that insanity jersey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's it's tough to watch him go. Carlos Boozer is on that team, and he starts for them and gets real minutes. I think that could work in their advantage in the end. I think Boozer could come back this year. Julius Randle was the one person I was excited about watching on that team, and I'm in the process of pouring the what's left of my signer Oktoberfest into the sink, and Julius Donner. What about Jordan Hill? Jordan Hill gets rebounds. He's a quality fantasy uh, second second center. They, they stand around. They don't know what they're doing on defense. Their coach forbids them to shoot threes in like this archaic. I don't. What I don't know what time warp he's stuck in. Mm-hmm. He, he hasn't heard they're worth more points. He does think Carlos Boozer should play defense. It's it's a mess, and uh, they were so far away from being considered one of my five league pass teams. So. Well. We'll probably revisit them if we're going to do one of these packages of fives per week. We'll probably revisit them in about a month or two's time with me. But uh... oh wow, you are high <laughs> on the Lakers. I, I don't want you to spill those details now. Let's just wait so that you can then try to claim that you didn't have them that high on the list when we get four weeks from down the road. And I remind you, you haven't mentioned them yet. Okay, I'll hold, I'll send this to you afterwards so you can hold me to account. But uh, twenty-seven, I have the Thuggets. Uh, you who do you have at twenty-seven? Uh, I have, I think you're disagreeing with me on this, I have my semi-hometown New York Knicks at 26. That's interesting. I had them I had them a few a few places higher than that. Uh, Mello obviously gives Im- immense fantasy value, although he has had a slowish start to the year, and he is kind of feels like it's learning a new system. Uh, who's your second best fantasy option there in New York? That's a good question, actually. Uh, actually, Shumpert. Yvonne Shumpert has been very impressive so far this year. He's had a well-rounded game, and Tim Hardaway's looked good as well. Mm-hmm. But the reason I have the team so uh, so far in the back of the pack is they're starting bangers. Uh, last night, I think it was last night, uh, watching watching a mixed game at a local pub. Jason Smith, and I don't worry if you don't know who he is, that's fine. Most, I'd say 99% of fantasy basketball managers do not. And uh, Daniel Dallenbear. Yeah. Starting bangers last night. Dallenbear is having a tough start to this season. I'm just pulling up his he's stats really right now. Here, he's not good. He's averaging 4.4 rebounds. Um, From your starting center? 2.7 points. And uh, he's getting to the line <laughs> half a three throw a game. So that's a, that's a tough... They're relying on Amari Stoudemire's uninsured knees to, to be their leading banger. So just looking at their ranks, this actually, you could be completely right here. Their leading fantasy player so far is Shump, followed by Amare, Hardaway Jr., Carmelo, Shane Larkin. Now, they're waiting on Jose Calderon to come back. So that that's going to change things maybe a little bit there for New York. But but a stinky start. I had uh, Prigioni on my, on my roster for about a hot second. This Bridge. week, Pridge, before he got injured, tweaked that ankle. Uh, have you gotten a chance to see J.R. Smith in the triangle yet? I have not. How does he look? Well, it, it's, it's interesting because he's in the triangle, but then he breaks the triangle. Yeah. Take uh, that, that SC Nation blog, Breaking Madden, where they just find ways to, to teach the game. I, uh, I Breaking the triangle. I don't see him staying on this New York Knicks. I see either this triangle staying or J.R. Smith staying. Uh, I think Joe's destiny is. I, I think his destiny is somewhere. 
Where do you I think? think? He gets traded back. I think he gets traded back to the Nuggets. Oh wow! I would love to see him on that Nuggets team. Maybe he brings some some semblance of uh, order to the team. But uh, yeah, he's been in so well. So who's your who's the the your final pick here in this group of this five pack of uh, of of basketball teams? Your twenty six number twenty six in terms of fantasy value. Uh, this is a team that I think is two years away from being at the complete opposite end of this list. Uh, Philadelphia seventy six. Oh, wow. There's some nice surprises in Tony Roden and Brandon Davies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are a bunch of D-League players, and you're gonna, you might get excited about one of those guys, one of these young guys who's putting up some numbers, but they're all going to end up being so inconsistent that it's going to be just as infuriating a week later when you've uh, you've dropped someone like an Iman Shumpert because you think Tony Roden is uh, the is second coming. The truth. And he goes from averaging 40 points a game, 40 fantasy points a game one week, to four fantasy points a game the next week. Um, He has had his moments. I picked him very high. They didn't go 69 to have a great season. Uh, Tony Roten, uh, interestingly enough, is ranked number 69 in terms of fantasy value right now, which I think is a good sign. Uh, one guy I picked up uh, who I think could actually turn into something good is uh, uh, Umba Amute, who came back this week and uh, and might end up starting a small forward, which is hilarious uh, for this 76 team, but, but actually hasn't looked too bad so far. Uh, if, if here's how they would, if they want to move up the list as quickly as possible, they need a lead pass speed where on the right rail of the Sixers game is um, is uh, their their first round pick this year, the center from Kansas. Uh, Embiid. Embiid's Twitter feed is just live on the side of the screen while you're watching the game. Then I'm all in. I'm moving up to like 15. I thought you were going to say that it would be great to have just their picks. I'd love to just see their upcoming picks on the side of the game, just streaming through. Their injured, injured picks and their Euro stats is like going to start. Absolutely. Uh, my number 26 team is uh, might be a little controversial, but I'm pretty sure you probably have them uh, ranked somewhat close. The Oklahoma City Thunder. Just oh, yeah. from a purely... You just don't know what's going to happen to these guys. And you don't really know when Durant's coming back. You don't really know when Westbrook's coming back. We kind of have this this uh, this two-month time slot. Uh, as an aside, have you managed to watch yet the HBO special on Kevin Durant, the off-season? I haven't watched the Durant infomercial yet. Have you? It is awful. It is... I'm glad you said infomercial. It is a... It's produced by Kevin and his agent... It is a piece of absolute trash, which I don't know why HBO would ever get itself involved with. It is, it's. Not that the antithesis of hard knocks, but they make everybody look sort of like the assholes that they are. Yeah, this has um, got no. It shows no, not one flaw in Kevin whatsoever. It has this sort of unfettered access, but but doesn't show anything in terms of who the real Kevin Durant is. I, I would expect that from LeBron James, circa 2011, but not. Not Kevin. Kevin's a quiet, humble guy. Why do you need to do that? Everyone already likes Kevin. Well, you get to see in the uh, you get to see in this uh, documentary, in inverted commas, a uh, a great five minute presentation from Kevin's brand manager about what it's like to be part of the Durant brand. So, uh, so anyway, but the, apart from that, this Oklahoma City team's looking bad. You don't know who's going to win, who's going to score points on there. You don't know if anyone's going to score points. The only guy that I think probably has any value at this stage is uh, well, apart from like a Durant or Westbrook stash would be uh, Reggie Jackson isn't looking too bad early in the season. Reggie Jackson definitely falls into someone's got to score those points yeah. um, category. 
he was also a little banged up, but he's already missed a couple games too. So yeah, I mean, I you actually I I might rethink my list now and maybe move the Lakers up to twenty five to have the Thunder back at the back at pack. I mean, move move those Lakers up to twenty five, but again, we won't talk about them for another quite a few weeks. Yeah, <laughs> I look forward to that though. All right, on that note, we're going to wrap it up here on the Dingo Unchained. Uh, As always, you can check us out on fantasydingo.com, on the iTunes store, search for Fantasy Dingo. Adam will be putting in a bunch of basketball columns this week. Uh, I'll write something. I was exhausted after that Dingo 69, but I feel rejuvenated now after this week. Maybe we'll get the Rolling Football 69 up soon. I will get that Rolling 69 of football up very soon as well. As always, Adam, thank you very much for your time. Hey, uh... I'm open for business for now until the end of the trade deadline. So hopefully we'll chat before the next spot. Fantastic. And uh, as always, trade on out there in Dingo land. Adios. Adios.